So, uh, offline, you were saying that you're listening to a new podcast about movies? It's called uh, Defend Your Movie. Defend Your Movie. Defend Your Movie. And basically, it's like the host has people on that um, will bring a movie that like, like, for example, like Cocktail or... Like a terrible movie, like Crash. I mean, okay, terrible, but like a movie that everyone is like, oh, this sucks. And they will come on and defend it. And it's great because it's made, it's forced me to rethink about a lot of movies, actually. So, so okay, don't think about it at all. What yeah. movie would you defend? What's your first one? Uh, come on, like, come on. Okay. Don't think about uh, it. Like Starship Troopers, maybe. Starship yeah. Troopers. That's a good one. I, <laughs> I saw that movie in the theater on opening night. Yeah, I did too. That's so funny. I did with Tim. It was amazing. And it was great because everyone was cracking up and like realizing how silly this, like deliberately silly this was. Oh, yeah. There's, there are very <clears> few <throat> I don't movies know. where I'm okay with people in the audience talking yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or shouting at the screen. Normally, I You know, like never. Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's okay. Yeah, I guess, but, yeah. But, but this was one of those movies, like opening night, like people were just shouting and oh, having yeah. a great, and it, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. It happened to be like really great, a great experience. Um, um, so speaking of great experiences, you picked today's record. <laughs> what are we going to listen to today? We're listening to Dreamin' Wild by Donnie and Joe Emerson. This. All right. Well, my name is Matt. I'm Jason. Uh, we've been friends since high school, played in a lot of bands together. Music's always been part of our friendship. We started this podcast to talk about records that are meaningful to us. Not the best ones, just ones we really care about. Yeah, sometimes we're going to talk about great albums. Sometimes we're going to talk about really crappy ones. <laughs> but all of them are important to us because this is... We Oh, that's so fun. Okay, ready? Yeah, what... what okay. Okay, be uh, quiet. Just hit me. Just fucking hit me. Shh. Rutland's a small town, about 70 miles northwest of Spokane. It's a service station and the post office all in one, pretty protected from outside uh, influences. We never really bought any records or anything. I remember we got a tractor that had a radio in it. Mm -hmm. And you're running the tractor, you're not running it for two hours. You're running it for some length of time, but And I would picture myself doing those songs. Mm -hmm. I got into Smokey Robinson. Uh, Hall and Oates was always a big thing, and obviously Marvin Gaye. They say, man, Donnie, you're just a funky son of a gun. How were you connected to black music? You gotta remember, we're isolated. Yeah, I don't think we really knew of the bands. You know? Who they, were they black or white? So that was Donnie and Joe Emerson talking. He's a, he's a funky son of a gun. <laughs> he's a funky son of a gun. Talking, uh, I think this this was like a documentary that was made when light in the attic records reissued um this album and another album that's like dreaming more dreaming wild or something like that i forget what it's called but those songs i think are even better because those are the tracks that like they rejected the the these two or you know that they didn't that didn't make the this album dreaming wild and i think that record's even better but this oh that's called still dreaming wild the lost recordings but this one dreaming wild is awesome and important super important just to me because uh it just it brings up this whole kind of problematic area of of music and for me that that goes with like 
Wesley Willis and Daniel Johnston and these people that are, are coming at it from, and at least in this case, you don't have the added layer of there's something possibly psychologically different about those artists that, um, you know, that makes it more problematic to listen to their music or to, or to like really embrace it in a way because you are kind of like, that's a whole other can of worms. Let's just say that, right? Like Wesley Willis and Daniel Johnson and those kind of outsider artists. Whereas Donnie and Joe Emerson were at least outsider artists for sure. A hundred percent. And they were so completely isolated on this, this farm and, Donnie, who it was the like star of the the Emerson family, who was Don, and his his dad was Don Senior. So Don Junior was like very early age, just picking up all kinds of instruments. Was super into music, but literally he talks about that the only uh, exposure they had to music was in this radio in the tractor when they were doing work on the farm. And at the end of the day. Uh, the, he would his his son would play music or Donnie was like super into music and his brother Joe was like well I'll play drums right because this is something we can do it's fun and I think they started pretty early I want to say like in high school for sure and like um, and so their dad was like I mean such a, a great family for his dad to go hey my kids are into music let me build them a little studio in the in the back like wherever in the backyard somewhere and well, according to their wikipedia page it cost a hundred thousand well, dollars for that thing. studio it wasn't just it wasn't just like you know a shack with some mattresses it was like he they went all his dad went all out and was like okay we'll get he he like looked up like what's what does a normal studio look like oh they have fender guitars and these kind of amps and this, you know he just he was like okay that's what i'm getting and he got somebody to ship in all this equipment hundreds like thousands of dollars of equipment got he got an eight track like reel to reel everything he just found out like what are people using at a real studio great i'll get that for my son and yeah that's the equivalent and that's in the 70s a hundred thousand dollars so he puts this together and and so and so at the end of the day after they did they did all their farm work um they would change their clothes and they would go into the studio and and basically record and it was donnie like coming up with everything and running you know the the you know learning how, learning how to record how to engineer how to play this stuff how to get that sound that he's hearing on this shitty stereo that's in a tractor and so uh, according to the inflation calculator on the uh, <laughs> internet that i found here a hundred thousand dollars in 1979 <sighs> is two hundred it's kind of a sad so like story a quarter, because he spent a quarter of a million dollars in today's money. And and that was just that wasn't the end of it either. The the other sad part is like uh you know, so so this record gets recorded and they're like, "Great, we got a record. We made a bunch of songs. They're really good. Um let's press up some copies." You know, they press I don't know, less than a thousand copies easily. They don't know anyone in the music business. They have no connections. They blindly send this thing out. One of them ends up in a thrift store in some, in like Spokane, Washington. Some weirder, weird outsider collector, you know, sees this at the thrift store for five bucks and is like, oh, that, that cover's amazing. I got to hear this. And then plays it um, at a party 
he was having where this guy, one of the founders of Light in the Attic Records, who is notoriously like they put out Sugar Man, who they did that documentary. You know, that, did you see that documentary about that guy? I didn't. Uh, you've talked about it, but I, have, I haven't seen yeah, it Yeah, he was like another case of like a Detroit artist who is like, you know, 60s kind of, you know, Dylan style, him and a guitar. And like, unbeknownst to him, was huge in South Africa and basically was like a, his albums were like a theme song for anti-apartheid. And he was basically homeless in Detroit. And he's gone on to like, you know sell out shows there and now he's a huge you know so late in the attic records is like we are on top of this crazy you know stuff that and and contemporary things too but and they heard it and we're like holy shit and um well then it just before we get any further like let's listen to a song i'm I'm sort of looking i know it's coming a little bit here because i'm reading their wikipedia page let's listen to baby you have to yeah you, you have to start there for sure so baby weird (laughs) that's what's amazing about this right is you have this kind of perfect storm of late 70s what's on the what you can get on the radio from hundreds of miles away and you're just channeling that into like okay i want to do that um and i have all this stuff and i'm and here's my version of that which is such a again such a perfect storm of improbability that you get this record because they had all the equipment and and donnie was determined to like learn how to do this so he did it he was just like driven even though he's completely you know again like he's he's on a desert island you know of his own sure and uh and they they played some some song they played some shows like in the next town over which was you know 100 miles away or something but like well, I mean, they just weirdly, had no how chance. How different is this from what you and I did in high school, living in our remote farm towns, getting college radio and like right, right, right. forming bands that emulated the you know the Dead Kennedys or whatever it was we were doing? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's not it's 1979 to 1992 is not that big of a jump in time. 
right and, right and these like voices from the distance where you're trying to piece together a view of the world surrounded by apple trees right I think the difference like, is I, I don't they, know what this means. I think the difference is they had a complete state of the art studio for nineteen right. seventy nine. Yeah. <laughs> like we had, at we their had disposal. A, we had a basement or like a garage and they had a quarter well, the equivalent I mean, in today's money of a quarter million dollar I guess studio. you know what? I guess that's sort of the difference. Also the the like naivety of it. Like I don't feel like we were that because even though we, we were in upstate New York, it was the early 90s so like you said we had 120 minutes we had like true you know we went to see we you went to see uh sonic youth i mean like come on you know it was still very different than the 1979 which was not only musically prob there's probably one station playing the, the top 40 hits that's it and then they're barely even hearing that so well, it's like I think a lot of it is what you said earlier. Like they didn't know anybody in the record industry. I'd be willing to bet they didn't even know that there was a record industry yeah. in a lot of ways. No, right? that that's that's how they did this in the first place, right? Because they were like, We'll put a record out and then people will like it. And yeah. it's like, Wow, that's yeah, no. <laughs> that doesn't happen it's, like it's that. very naive. <laughs> so it's it's just this kind of sad but amazing story of like you know, his dad ended up selling part of the farm at one point because oh, Donnie has gone on to move to L.A. and he's been in a bunch of different bands. He's been in like country bands and this kind of band. He put out a solo record here and this. None of it has ever gone anywhere except this record, you know, which is kind of a it's one of those sad, you know, an, uh, another facet of sadness is like the record that he made when he was 18 maybe 17 is the one that people are now like oh can you play baby and he's like i can't fucking do that song like right <laughs> i mean i you know and they they try you know they they've actually played a couple reunion shows or whatever but like you know could you imagine some, you know again like the stuff that we wrote or that we were playing at 17 and and people being like yeah, 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 whatever you're doing now. Can you play that one, like, really, really crazy thing that you wrote when you were 17? And you're like, right. oh, I guess so. <laughs> you know, like, that's what funny, that's what you want to hear. I, I, I pulled up their Wikipedia page. Yeah. And normally, like, when you get something like Donnie and Joe Emerson, <laughs> there'd be yeah. a page for Donnie. Yep, right. There'd be a page for Joe. Right. Nothing. Right. Right. Like, there's a, like almost no links at all like the links are yeah. like spokane washington right. like general, right, right, general right, 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 right. they have two albums listed dream and wild yeah and then still dream and wild which was you know basically all of the other recordings right 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 well no, no i mean they actually no links i did see that they wrote it says they wrote and recorded about 70 songs so there's still a couple more albums worth of stuff i mean i mean Again, remember when we lived in farm country? Like, what would sure. you, like if you weren't like driving the tractor? Yeah. Or in the house watching TV or, you know, helping mom wash dishes? Yeah. Like, fuck yeah. If you had a, a huge recording studio, all you would do is be out there. Oh, sure. Yeah. All day, every day. Well, we did that with a fucking tape recorder and just like the one amp that we had. I mean, yeah, we did it. You know, with a we garage. did it. We I did, did it with nothing. Studio, you know, <laughs> we did it with nothing anyway, and put out uh, twenty-five albums with a different name every weekend. <laughs> yeah, we. Well, but, yeah, we like we, did a, we had a lot of fun. We, there was we no talent. Out, like, <laughs> a tape a week of just songs. I mean, just noise. Yeah, well, that's right. 
but I mean, so I mean, there's de the thing here is there's definitely talent here, right? Like, there's definitely like some really, you know, talent for for '79. Like, there, this is when you think about the circumstances it was created under two. It it does have this like handcrafted quality that's like it's not it's a demo, right? It's not really there, but it's uncapturable again. This is it. This is like well, never gonna happen again. This is a perfect. I didn't know any is, uh, of this when I listened to it. Yeah, when you, right. When you sent right. me, right? And yeah, tell me so what your uh, what my your impression, yeah. which is not like wrong. Just no, no. Yeah, off the mark. Listen, yeah, um, was that this was a vanity project? Like <laughs> yeah, I thought these sure. were the kids of some like yeah. crazy rich like oil man or something. Yes. Yeah, sure, sure. And they just paid. <laughs> like, like if you if you just played this for me and didn't tell me anything, I would be like, these are some crazy trust fund rich kids yeah. whose dad paid for them to have the best producer in, in the best songwriters and the best whatever yeah. make one album. Or it's like they used to have that service where you'd send them lyrics and they would just you know write a song and send it back <laughs> to you, something you like that. Really right? messed up times. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's not, you know, that's not far off. I just think they happen to have parents that were like, we believe in you. And right, this is, is what you want. Project. It just, it's, it's a vanity project <laughs> that happens on a farm. Sure. These right. Two guys. What's the difference with like Tanya Harding being like, Hey, you're good at ice skating. All right. Let's, right. uh, we'll just do it all the time. That's what you want to do. Okay. Here you go. Here's some, let's get you back in the skating rink and. Well, know. let's get back to the music because we've listened to baby. Yes. And I think it's clear, like, if you go back to 70s, what would have been on the radio? Yeah. That's what they were channeling. Yep. It's yep. pretty obvious. Yep. Um, you know, and, like, I mean, I don't know much about these dudes, but looking at the picture, they just, like, <laughs> white dudes. Yeah. That's right. Like, that's 70s right. white dudes. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, and it's, <laughs> but this album, they're channeling so much. I don't know soul and blues and music. That's yeah, know, it's bizarre, right? Because they are they are just trying to do sort of like everything on this record, and and very little is successful. Baby happens to really work, <laughs> honestly, because because it is so off the mark and like, I mean, you could just picture this guy in the in the middle of nowhere in the studio singing this like, and and he's in high school, so he is like. He is channeling all of that, like, you know, teenage angst of, like, oh, there's the, the out of the 15 kids in my high school, there's that one girl right. that just is not going to pay attention to me. Well, then, <laughs> why don't we why don't we listen to a couple minutes yeah, of yeah. Don't Go Loving Nobody Else? Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like there's a good teen angst, like, <laughs> farm right. boy That's romance. Right. Nobody else, oh baby, don't go loving on 
The mix is so crazy. Like, his vocal is so loud. <laughs> it's like this crazy reverb on it. And I'm I'm definitely hearing keyboards. So they had like also keyboards in the 70s were not inexpensive. And uh, and his brother's playing decent drums. That's probably honestly that's probably like the most uh, sort of like solid part of this because the rest of it is is Donnie playing bass and coming up with all the other arrangement stuff which is always slightly off like it's never like like there's no metronome at all in the studio apparently because everything is just like a little bit too short or a little bit too long or like the vocal comes in like oh, it's a little bit too late but you know what maybe they're running that eight track and like that's it they did this take and two parts of it were live and they don't want to bounce it down again. And they're like, all right, well, this is it. <laughs> don't I mean, go up and nobody else. <laughs> slightly off is, is right. the perfect okay. description of this <laughs> album. And, and I think like that's what makes it charming is it is it is like a very sincere version of the late 70s. And it's and it's with these songs that you haven't heard. So you can kind of, you can look at that era in a new way. I think what's interesting about this, right, is you're like, okay, so so this this is what the late 70s is like to an alien, kind of. Right. It is, no, that's a, that's a really weird, I agree with that, like 100%. Right. It's like, it's like if you got all of the pop culture and radio and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and movies and all of that stuff sort of no you but didn't then, like, though you didn't to explain you didn't get it, it all. wasn't there you got like a part of it you got a tiny piece no yeah but it was like really important through a long tube yes 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 right <laughs> through a telescope yeah like, yeah, like, like a telescope but like backward yeah like yeah. you just get yeah there's like bits and pieces like I don't. Get, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it is, it is yeah. so weird and fractured because yes. I cannot connect this album to anything I know <laughs> about 1979, and yet it's yeah. so per- like perfectly 1979. Oh, yeah, right. I know. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, I think that's what I love about it. It is. It is hard to. I mean, listen. Outsider art is a weird thing, and like, the fact that somebody would go, "Oh, this is great." I don't think is enough. I mean. I know, like, like that that Vivian Mayer documentary, right? That woman that took right. all those photographs, and like, people are saying, like, oh, well, well, sure, like, if I buy an album full of, I mean, if I buy a trunk full of uh, fucking negatives, and I just go around like, oh, these are so great, now I'm a millionaire because I've like created this, you know, I've given value to something that I just, but it, it's more than that, though, obviously. I mean, because not all of that stuff is great. So it's a weird fine line of like discovery versus like, well, you're also trying to, I mean, and, and, you know, listen, I like light in the attic records a lot. I think they do really cool stuff, but, but there, it's just a funny, uh, line there of like, we are going to make this, we're going to bring this to the world and, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's problem. It's problematic. It's weird to think about, you know, because uh it's it's not good but it's good for the wrong reasons and 
And I think that they, the two of them as people are like sort of at, at least they do seem to have a, a, a realistic view on it. At least at least Joe does. I mean, he's he's basically like, yeah, I played drums on this record when I was 18 and that's it. I haven't ever like, you know, that was right. that was it. Well, and his brother okay, is still trying to like make it. And so I don't but, know. OK, so that that gets us where we kind of started this. Right. Yeah. Um, like outsider art. And outsider artists, it's a real challenge to talk about. Yeah. Because, I mean, some of the, the more famous ones were dead before we ever heard about them, right? Henry Darger right. Was, was, had passed away before anybody really found his books and learned about the Vivian Girls and all that stuff. It's right? true. It's rare to have them still around, for sure. Yeah. And, like, I mean, well, here's where I'm going with this. But, like, most sort of outsider art that gets celebrated or gets sort of elevated. Yeah. The, the the creator is gone, right? Or at least gone in some form. But then you like you have like you you started this off with like Wesley Willis or you know um, what was the other one that you said? Oh, um, Daniel Johnston. Daniel Johnston, one. right? Yeah. Um, or like these guys, <clears throat> where they're outsider art, but they're alive right. and here to talk about it and yeah. still perform, right? Yeah. Yeah. So somebody like Wesley Willis, you immediately are like, oh, he's got maybe mental health issues, right? Um, or, you know, uh, but with these guys, they don't seem to have mental health issues no. and they don't seem to have, well, I mean, I think they have delusions. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, that's not, I, they don't. As far as we know, they don't. And, uh, and that's a, well, like, it's a I don't different mean thing. It's, it's complicated. Sense. I mean, like right, right. this album was not successful, but he moved to LA and tried to start a music career, which is admirable. Yeah, no, I mean, well, I, I think that makes sense, though. I think it. I think that he did sort of see the light and go, oh, well, of course I'm not going to make it here with this home studio. I need to go, you know, right to the big time. You know, I get it. And I mean, and I get not wanting to work on a farm. You know, well, he that had too. dreams. Right, of course. And even if they're not working out, he's still out there, like, chasing the dreams. I get right. that. Right, 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 right. Um, it's just weird to be like... Like this album is really emblematic of a certain kind of folk outsider yes. art. Yes. But then to have the, like the dude still around, like trying to make it into the mainstream and trying to cross over and trying to be successful, like you don't want to hurt him or devalue him by calling this work outsider. And at the same right, time, it's, right, right, that's right, right. all of its charm. Like you take right. that away, and I don't want to listen to this. It's, I know, I know. It's this is always a weird thing for me. This part of my because this because this also goes to um, sort of like the contemporary weirdos where where you have like Ariel Pink or um, right part time or or stuff like where it's like channeling this stuff through a more I guess more of a like art avant garde sort of way where you're like I'm aware of my outsider um uh process right but i'm doing it in, a, in an interesting way somehow it, it, the whole the well, whole that's, thing that's still the always gets me. the avant-garde is very self-aware right it is right it is very self-aware aerial pink and those kind of like but but doing this style but there's something extra on top of it that makes it like oh right this is aware of itself and doing something interesting so i have to ask you you yeah. brought up ariel pink several times yeah is that specific 
um, well, I know that he directly talks about Baby, and he had a part in getting this el- this popular. I mean, he was going around basically saying like these, you know, that song Baby is amazing, and really like you know, prophetizing it to everybody. And well, he did a cover of Baby, and he did a cover album. for Light in the Attic. Yes, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's all about that. He did this. He did an album recently uh, that was a basically a concept album about uh, a, an artist in L.A. who who was, you know, sort of like a outsider guitarist or something. Hey, the track that's playing now? Yeah. Can you maybe rewind it and turn it up? I like this one a lot. <laughs> okay, okay. What's it called? Wait, what's it called? Uh, Dream Full of Dreams. Yeah, well, I want to hear it. Let's listen. <laughs> what is it? It's like five minutes long. Yeah, Let's just turn it up where okay. it is right now. Turn it up. Okay, okay. Part. Am I gonna stop? No, keep going. No, should have stopped. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's that's so stuff. like late seventies. I mean, <laughs> fucking Christ! Like everybody yeah. did that. Right. Right. Like, oh yeah. Thirty thousand bands you would have heard on the radio that were doing that. That's the thing and too. They were like this thing that sounds like nineteen fifty five, like Richie Valens esque, but it's like seventies. Right. right. And there's just and and the sync is off like the drums oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. right <laughs> nothing's true. in sync with each other no. or i'm mean, sorry the keyboard and slightly it's, off it's always. such a weird song yeah yeah and uh i think you're right i wait, think wait they, hold, turn okay. on. hold on what, what is this i want to hear this my heart i'm gonna admit So this is <laughs> this is their um, this is their uh, shit from Goo. What was it? <laughs> this is their um, uh, fuck. What's that? What's that track? Do they ever tour or anything? 
they, you know, I think after the fact, like kind of recently, they played some shows, but there's but, somewhere there has to be video of these guys performing. It must be amazing. Uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know if they're, you know, we're talking about late, you know, late seventy, maybe eighty, late 70s, eighty-one, eighty-two, like. I just don't think they had uh, videotapes. I mean, I don't yeah, think sure. they would have. No, no, I'm just saying. I don't even think they would would have shot like eight millimeter or anything. I don't know. I have to look around, but. I think well, that might I mean, be it. part of the reason why I would love to see these would love to see footage of these guys <laughs> performing. Is, yeah. Can you just describe the album cover because I don't. Oh sure. I don't have the right words. I mean, it's basically. Well, it's two so, brothers, wait, so you get that Chaser, kind of like... If you're listening to this and you have a laptop in front of you, go to Google, go do an image search for Dreamin' Wild, Donnie and Joe Emerson, look at this album cover and just just breathe it in. All right, I mean, Jay, describe it. I mean, the that's the great thing. This Even this cover is a great, like, just time capsule because you have, like, you sort of have a painterly kind of backdrop that's, like, backlit. Um, and then you have it's the like two one of, of those, them, uh, like like a like a high school that they put up for school pictures exactly. in the cafeteria. Yes, and then you have the two of them in matching jumpsuits, and I think they have their names on them. They have massive collars, a little bit of red white, white like, jumpsuits, white jump right. And uh, I think Donnie must be in front holding the guitar, and he's kind of like rocking out, and his brother's like behind him, just over his left shoulder. And it sort of looks like he's maybe holding the top part of the guitar. <laughs> it's kind of an odd, like, like well, it kind of looks like Donnie's sitting on his brother's lap a little bit. Yeah, it's or like, like like falling onto like, his lap. Like they're weirdly like close together. Well, and uh, and uh, Joe, the one in the back, yeah, looks very uncomfortable. Well, he looks like he just looks like. He, you would not think they're brothers, even for sure, like based no. on this picture. And then Dreaming well, Wild. Looks high. Donnie's wearing something. <laughs> his collar's open so you can see his whole he is, greased He up is chest. like, this is what I need to do. And Joe's kind of like, I'll just sit back here. <laughs> I'll be a part of this. But like, I don't and, know that they needed Joe in this photo. <laughs> I think you're right. Could have just been. <laughs> you're right. And then uh, Dreaming Wild is like kind of just this like bubble cartoon letters and just kind of like going over their heads like curving I wish I thought I'd this ahead of my time my, one of my friends is the head of the design department at the college <laughs> I work at I should have sent this to her to get like an analysis of the type because I can just I can see her head exploding <laughs> at all of the like there's 90,000 type rules that have been broken with the use of the, the it's like red type on a blue background with a white thin outline and it's like a weird like hippie cursive thing <laughs> yeah. that like I associate with like water parks. Sure. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And like the placement of the name of the band is kind of like <laughs> hanging over the end of the guitar and it's oh, really awkward. Yeah. And it's very tiny. It says Donnie Joe Emerson. Uh, yeah. Like the type nerd in me just <laughs> I think, is losing my shit I, here. And I have to say I think that says a lot too that they didn't even have a band name that they just were Donnie and Joe Emerson. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were like all right, we're Donnie and Joe Emerson, just like Hall and Oates, just like yeah, uh, Oates, Donnie, whoever. Like Smokey not even Robinson. Donnie and Joe. No, like I know. Donnie right? and it's, Joe Emerson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's it's just like uh, so. And, and again, also, like, like you break like, those rules. About it, they're from farm country. Yeah, they're doing music like this. Like yeah. they. This well, that's the other thing got, too. Like maybe they didn't tour. 
No, they did not. They didn't play clubs. They played locally, that's it. They played every church basement on like like the farm strip between, you know, Idaho and Southern Oregon. Wow. Yeah, but I I hear I know what you mean. They played locally for sure, wherever they could. Well, I just described for these guys that was local. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, they never probably never played a club, but I bet they played a ton of like county fairs and like you know, I don't even community know community events were that big. and barbecues and that and, stuff for you know, sure. Volunteer fire department, yes, you know, big yes, sales, yes, yes. And I have to say, uh, that's the other thing about this record is, in a way, like this is pretty. I mean, you have to think about the time too in the back, you know, farm country of Seattle. I mean. Uh, or Washington. Um, I mean, even where we're from, time stopped in you know the late '80s, and, right. and and you know those places are still around. People are driving those cars. It's you know, so you could imagine in the '70s, in the middle of nowhere, Washington, time stopped in the in the '50s, and here are these right. two guys playing this stuff. You know, I have to say, like that must have been another layer of weirdness. Because here are these two guys. They're not playing country music. They're not playing like anything anyone anybody would be into, even hearing there in in Fruitland, uh, Washington. I'm I'm sure right. of it. It's like this weird mix of sort <laughs> you know of I mean? soul and R and B. Yeah, little country. Right. But yeah, it's it's like from another world almost. I'm sure in their part of the world, people were like, uh, okay. Uh, let's hear it for Donnie and Joe Emerson, right. everybody. For some reason, I just have. Do you remember um, the film Sherman's March by Ross yes, McAwee? Yes. There's a scene in that where he's in the South and he's in some country bar, yeah. and there's a the the shot opens. The scene opens with like a country band on stage, and yeah. there's this like late middle aged dude with sunglasses and shitty mustache and whatever, and he's singing some like country ballad thing with the band behind him. Yeah. And then the camera pulls out and pans down. And it, like this woman, presumably his wife or something, but like late middle aged, like big poofy eighties hair, is kneeling in front of him in this tiny little bar, <laughs> holding a scrap of paper with the lyrics on it. And he's like, yes. he's like reading the lyrics from this little like piece of paper as this woman like kneels in front yeah. of this dude oh my on God. stage. And it's it was always one of the sadder, more like poignant scenes, right. you know, in that, in that right. film, which has right. so many amazing moments. And for some reason. Dreamin' Wild makes me think of that scene. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you can't manufacture something like this, which is what I love. This, you know, this is so anti-put-together boy band that I think is amazing, but it's also tragic in a way because, of course, the people that made it never made it and are just, you know maybe bitter maybe maybe just complacent maybe you know what i mean but like they definitely have feelings about turn it up about nobody ever appreciating what they did in a way i appreciate it as long as it lasts, yeah. Cause I know I didn't Why is it that I have to come to you? 
Yeah, it is. It has all that kind of 70s, like, rock. See, I feel like, too, they sat down and, like, they were like, okay, we need a ballad. We need, like, a kind of rock and roll Skinnerd song. We need uh, this. And they just proceeded to write them. I really feel like they must have done that, you know? Well, it's, it's, and it's so, I don't know. If I was going to do a film about that was set in the 70s or, like, you know, a TV show. Yeah. I would totally use this album because people would be like, I've never heard this song, but yeah. it is 100% from that era. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although at this point... I, I just went to Google and I looked up, you know, top albums from 1979. Yeah. So just just for context, here's yeah. I'm just going to throw out a few of the things that were going on in the mainstream right now. So okay. The Clash is London Calling. Wow. They Joy did Division, not, they did not hear that, Fleetwood I guarantee. Max, Tusk. They probably heard that. Uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, mm. Michael Jackson's Off The Wall, No. ACDC's Highway to Hell, mm. uh, like so many good albums from this era, The Police, No. Um, Eagles, The Long Run, Yes. Um, the Bee Gees were having, you know, yes. uh, Spirits Having Flown, so not They the definitely album, heard that. Um, I mean, just, there's so much, the Van Halen's second album, no, like there's they so didn't much hear crazy that. stuff happening in 1979. I'll tell you what they and they're heard. they're doing this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, well, that's because they, they like they said, they heard Hall and & Oates, and they heard, you know, uh, was, was he saying Smokey Robinson? And You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they didn't hear Van Halen. They didn't hear uh, London Calling. No way. Not in a million years. Yeah, Hall & Oates already broken up at this point. Yeah, right. So they're getting 10 years ago. Well, really? Wait, they already broke up in '79. Wait, maybe, maybe. I'm, wait, hold on. Let me, let <laughs> that me, was like their that was emails to the, to the email address. <laughs> Which, um, by the way, what what is that? Records at. Well, don't uh, don't. As soon as I fuck up and people are gonna write us, don't give them the email address no, to write us at. No, I want. I want, You know what? Because I was gonna say, if if anybody has any suggestions for records, we would love to take that here and there that's true so please email records at harvey loves um we'll get an email there and yeah please suggest stuff or you know we're gonna have some guests guests very soon on the show so with records all right so i was so hollow notes <laughs> take a break between 90 and 06 so well i don't who cares I'm just. I'm, all I'm saying is, I don't want the emails from the fans who, who are cares like, about you know, you're an idiot. You don't know shit 06. about Hall & Yeah, well, we don't. No, yeah. I also, think Hall & uh, was like cutting edge in '79, right? I'm sure of it. Also, I. I it's all. Never mind. It doesn't um, matter. They heard whatever was popular. They, they just heard what, what they heard on the radio a few years ago from set from '79. So they were listening to like middle '70s popular stuff, probably. Like this, anything... is, this is one of those weird, like, uh, Socratic experiences where you put a kid in a cave. Yes, yes, And you only yes. play him pop radio yes. from 1974 <laughs> to 1979. That's right. And then you ask him to write an album. Sure. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It is a weird experiment. It's also not a record you listen to all the time. 
And for me, it's just it just like with all that stuff, it just brings out a lot of questions and and that I don't really have answers for or know where to sort of even unpack. I mean, but but I know we just uh, listened to it, but that you know. song "Good Time," which yeah. is the first song on the album. Oh yeah, is so heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. So heartbreaking. It's like, I hope you had a good time. Yeah. I didn't. Like, yeah. What? What? We're kicking, we're kicking do, off our, do, our, our, do, our hits here. Yeah. Like, yeah. That? like yeah. what is going on? Yeah. Here? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I know. I'd love to hear more of the thought process on the titles and like how, the, how, they, how they came to this order or if they like had, if they did actually have like, okay, we need a, we need a slow track. We need... We need right. a, like kind of a smooth one. We need a really fast rocking song, you know. All right, man. So here's the deal. Yeah, let's do next. I'm, what's I'm, next week? I'm gonna do the disclaimer. Okay. Okay. Do you have any final thoughts you wanna wanna leave us with before uh, before I do the disclaimer? Just that you know, again, outside this this kind of outsider weirdo. You know, I found this record in the garbage 50 years from now. Is is like it's weird stuff. And uh, I don't know if I'll ever know how I feel about it, but One but I like this for what it is. But again, I don't. I love the story. It, it's like this is an example of the story makes this record, and I think that's yeah. what this podcast is about. I think that's why I wrote about records for years. Oh, totally, is because well, I think you and I both grew up loving the thrift store, loving the art of discovery. Yes, yes. You know, so much, I mean, I have so many albums I want to talk about in this show. Right. But so many of the things that came into my life, I found in the bins at the thrift store. Well, those are the best things, right? Maybe I the, could the have gone and bought discovery, whatever. Not like but, marketed bullshit. I went to a right. record store and saw a poster for some band right. that had a flashy album cover. Or the guy behind the counter told me it was the hot thing. Like, right. no, to just stand over a bin of somebody else's fucking trash <laughs> yeah. and find gold in it is amazing. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which leads me to like one of my favorite um, thrift store discoveries that we have to do an episode about: is what? the butthole surfers, <laughs> hair way to steam. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's Can awesome. You like like Jesus. at the time, I was like, oh, this seems interesting. And I'm you know 16 years old. And my band is called the Butthole Surfers. Oh so I'm God. sure as fuck gonna buy this. Oh, we will get to them for sure on this. But, like, on this in show. hindsight. <laughs> who the fuck? Who got rid of it? What kind of an asshole donated it? Put all surfers album and then put it in the thrift oh. store for me to find. Well, you know, you know, yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, I could see that. You know what though? Those were the days of like, uh, uh butthole surfers, <laughs> and then they buy no, that's it. Exactly why I bought it. No, no, I'm not you. I'm saying the guy who originally bought it was like uh, butthole surfers, yeah. and he took it home and was like, "This is weird." This hurts my ears. I'm gonna get rid of this. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? So no one wants disclaimer. to hear this. So that was, uh, Donnie yeah. and Joe Emerson. It is entirely possible we are the only people talking about this record. No, I hope not. stop it. We're um, not. We're far from it. But if we are, it. please don't. We are please far don't. from it. Um, no, we they were on. They were on like we uh, Jimmy we Kimmel. We love what you did. We think it's great. Um, but if you want us to take us down, just email us at the address, the email address that you can find on the website. And um, you know, there's no need to get lawyers involved or anything like that. <laughs> You know, we don't, that's cool. We're not making any money off of this. Um, so that's the disclaimer. If you want to take it down, we'll take it down. We're just here for the music. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. <laughs> You're so baby. 
You're so baby. You're me, so man. baby, Matt. All right. The, Let's tell me. Let me give me some picks for next week. Give me some picks, baby. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. I've picked three albums yep. from bands that were all active during roughly the same period. Interesting. So three bands that were active roughly early 90s to early 2000s. Okay. So one band started in 93, another one started in 89, and the other one started in 95. Okay. So roughly the same period. Okay. Um, so the only information I'm going to give you is Boston. Okay. That's option Door one. number one, Boston. New York. Door number two, New York. Seattle. Door number three, Seattle. Uh, well, I'm going to pick New York then. You're going to pick New York? Yeah. All right. We are going to listen to the album Meantime by the band Helmet. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, awesome. Great. That's great. Very just, good. Just so you know, let me let me give you all three of the <laughs> options so that you know you may have dodged a bullet on this one. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. So door number one, yeah, Boston, yeah. was the dismemberment plan. Okay. Yeah. I figured we'd go there eventually. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, at some point, I want to. It's that's a good. A, they're they're an interesting. I don't know too much about them. I know people are fanatics about them, and they're fans of which I was one back in the day. Are okay. rabid. They are, and they're you know they're they're sort of in like the Don Cab sort of neighborhood. Like if if we are gonna get hate mail, it will come from a dismemberment plan ep- episode. Uh oh. <laughs> oh like no. more than any other band that we could do, like that yeah. their fans. Wait, dismemberment so, plan? Wait. Yeah, the dismemberment Dis- plan. Dismemberment plan. You know who I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Dillinger Escape Plan. Oh, also a great band. Yeah, but not dismemberment the one that I plan. What's the? I don't fucking know. Anyway, I'm I confuse both of them. I know nothing about both of them. Well, go on. <laughs> you would you would. Uh, let's just say they're not a band whose albums hold up. No, dismember. Eh, I don't know. Fuck. Anyway, so we're gonna do Helmet Meantime. Great. Of course. And let's do it. Seattle. And then the third that? one was uh, Seven Six Four Hero Weekends of Sound. Oh, okay, okay. That's Which a I'll, good, yeah. I'll put those back in the hat to, for please, the future reference. Please, please. Cool. Do you All know 764 right. Hero? Are you I, do, I think I know that record. I, that's why I want to hear it, because I'm like, I know I know of them, so. It's one of those, if I put it on and didn't tell you, you'd just be like, oh, did Built This Bill put out an album I didn't know about? Right, or like, is this a Modest Mouse B-side? No, fuck Modest no, Mouse. No, I know, but I mean, that it's like that era kind of indie yeah. rock. It's definitely in the like built to spill yeah. jam yeah, yeah, West yeah. Coast jam rock sound. Yes. But yes. we're going for a crunchy off sync right, weird helmet. drum beats. In the meantime, burn it, dan 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 it, in the meantime. Yeah, maybe we don't I mean I think you just covered it. I know, that would yep. So I mean, we should just keep going and just we'll stop this one and go into the next one. All right. All right. Um, well, no, play us out with some Donnie and Joe. I oh, want, I, sure. wanna, I don't know. What's the best track well, on this? I one? like this one because it's it? like this one's good because it's an instrumental and it good just meanders and it doesn't make any sense. It's great. Ready? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 